How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and on today's show, we have got 20th century American television DJ Casey Kasem and 19th century post-impressionist French painter Paul Cezanne. It was a fascinating episode. If you want to check out these performers, check out Paul Cezanne, a.k.a. Pat May, on his video games improv YouTube channel, youtube.com slash video games improv, all one word. It is hilarious and awesome. You can also check out uh, Casey Kasem, a.k.a. Evan Alt Schuler, on his Twitter account, Evan Alt. Uh, that is hilarious. And, uh, you know, before we get to all the uh, episode and everything, just want to remind you guys that we've got the freshest episodes of Famous Dead People every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You can hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. In fact, I want you to hit us up on Radio Free Bro- at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Please do. I want, e- I want more emails. Uh, you can always check out my website, JarrettBerenstein.com, for all the latest updates on upcoming projects and shows. And this Friday, we have got installment number two, episode dose of our voter registration charity comedy show Stand Up 2020 this Friday, December 6th at 7 p.m. at the Pitt Theater on 24th Street. We've got an awesome headliner, Mike Kaplan. This guy's been on Comedy Central. He's got like four albums out. One of the smartest, best comedians out there. And we got a stack lineup of also other dope comedians. Additionally, all of the proceeds are going to awesome voting rights organizations. If you need to register to vote, we got volunteers there to register you to vote. So get to the theater this Friday at the pits, stand-up 2020. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Cezanne and Casey Kasem only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. The story stuck in the head. My guests today on Famous Dead People are 20th century American DJ and radio personality host of American Top 40, Casey Kasem. Hello. And 19th century French post-impressionist painter who influenced uh, Manet, Matisse, and Pablo Picasso, Paul Cezanne. Sacre bleu. Hello. Uh, uh, Mr. Cezanne, Mr. Kasem, thank you so much for being with us here today on Famous Dead People. Thanks for having me. Of course. Anytime. Uh, So let's start off with you, uh, Mr. Cezanne. So as I mentioned in your introduction, you were hugely influential to a league of other notable artists, Picasso, Matisse, Manet. You are considered the bridge between Impressionism and the radically different art of the 20th century like Cubism. Hmm. But in your Wikipedia, I noticed some extremely negative reviews from your lifetime that show how slow the public was to realize your talent. Uh, We're the public and we're too stupid to follow our big boy artist. (laughs) Am I right? Am that's, I right, guys? Uh, that's how you view the, uh, the uh, critics. <laughs> uh, our fingers are in our noses, so we can't smell the art. It's like, come on, man. Oh, sorry. Open up your dumbass minds well, for one second. All right, so you clearly have a lot of um, uh, disdain for your critics. I mean, they're dumb. Obviously. I'm but ahead. Let's, let's talk about these with some, a couple of specific reviews. Uh, sure. One art critic published a scathing review saying that spectators were laughing hysterically at your paintings and the people of the town were so upset by this review that they would leave copies of the review on your doormat with notes asking you to leave town because you were dishonoring their village. 
Is that right? Is How that can correct? you dishonor a village that had no honor to begin with? Ooh, so I this came place to this had town. No honor. This I yeah. came to this town. Every toilet was open door. <laughs> there was not an open door. Every bathroom was open door. This is, is what of I'm course, trying to say. This is, of course, the same city that you were born in, Aix-en-Provence. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's a real city of fucking nitwicks and dum-dums. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every. I mean, a lot of us came from places like that where we're like, oh, boy, I was born there, but I wouldn't want to go back, you know? It's true. And these people, like, so no doors to the bathrooms themselves. Mm -hmm. No doors on the toilets either. Oh, my God. They would, like— So not only could you see in— Bare ass into their own toilets. Oh, my God. And not a single flusher. They didn't even know how to flush. Nobody was flushing their own toilets. No, so they had their own months. asses and turds and shit. It's oh, like, my God. It's like, where's the honor in all of this? Classless. You know? Class— You're bringing some class to this place. Yeah. They were fucking lucky to have me, mm -hmm. for me to be born in that little shithole. Yeah. Do you know why they might have been laughing at your paintings? Is it because they didn't get them, or was there something— some I don't know. Their wieners popped down. They thought they were funny. It's it's like th these people, I cannot friggin' tell you the like the brainlessness in this fucking town I was born You're saying in. saying that, well, people it's were like looking. It's like country, you know what I mean? People were looking at your paintings. Maybe their wieners popped out and they started laughing at their own wieners being popped and out. And they thought they were laughing at my <laughs> shit. Do you, that painting was like legit good. I Not funny. Not funny at all, the painting. It was not funny. I yeah. only did comics if I wanted to be funny. Mm. Like three panel comics, gotcha. you know? Like, I would occasionally write for, like, Garfield if I was feeling it. Hmm, interesting. Uh, sometimes I would do one of those really boring families that you'll read comics about. You mean, like, uh, for better, for worse, or family sure. circus? It's one of those really boring comics. I would do, like, a quick one of those. I'd make some quick money. Mm -hmm. Town ate it up, not realizing it was still me. <laughs> I was fucking king of this town, man. Are you um, sure that they were laughing at your comics and that their dicks didn't just pop out while they were reading? I would not be fucking surprised. There was not a door on anything. Their pants had no flies. So their pants didn't have a door either. Yeah. They didn't I have see. a door to their pants either. So their dicks were... It's just dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah. Get a fucking zipper, you nitwit. Yeah, this is not a great town. So how come you went back there? I know... So you were born there. You yeah. left... To go study in Paris. Right. So uh, quickly. But then you go what? back to live and also to put on this show that everybody ends up laughing at. Yeah. Why did you go back if you had such disdain for the for the town and for the people? I mean, they're the people I ultimately grew up with. So I saw those hillbilly incest people and I was like, I have to bring some friggin' class back to this trailer park this is charity on your part charity on my part you were doing them a favor i'm gonna raise the profile of this piece of shit one horse town maybe you yeah. can afford a second horse you goddamn morons. yeah I, it's like literally a trailer park i grew up in a trailer park oh, wow. you know what i mean a doorless fucking i just i'm so salty i'm yeah. just so no, salty no it's okay a lot of us have these i mean the, the first cut is the deepest as they say you know and so you know you you have these coming in at number eight <laughs> cat's deepest <laughs> Yeah. First cut is the deepest. Ooh, the original. That's right. Is that the whole song title? First cut is the deepest? Baby, I know. Uh, oh, okay. Ooh, okay. <laughs> what? Uh, so I also wanted to ask you about this other uh, critic's review. Ah, Jesus. Uh, another reviewer described one of your portraits as so odd looking that it might give a pregnant woman a shock and cause yellow fever in the fruit of her womb. Wow. That's so charming. Do you so remember charming. the portrait he was talking about there? I don't think this was at the same show. I think this was actually earlier in your life, maybe when you were in Paris. Yeah. Uh, that this paint, that this picture was uh, being reviewed. Okay. So so this painting, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. it is a pregnant woman okay. with uh, an ear of corn inside of, instead of a baby, it was an ear of corn. Interesting. So is yeah. it like a cross section or is it like her, 
her pregnant belly. You can see through it somehow. Or it was supposed you know to be an attack on Monsanto. Interesting. You know okay. that awful corn company? Yeah, yeah, of course. It was supposed to be an attack on that because she's like, I don't want this. You okay. know, <laughs> she's like, I. She has a bubble that she is saying, I don't like this, and she has a. A ear of corn in her tum tum. She has the thought bubble that says, "I don't want this." Yeah. While we are seeing in utero corn. Yeah, corn. Exactly. Yeah. She has um like an X ray mm-hmm. over her pregnant stomach. Ooh, okay. And it's an ear of corn, and the ear of corn is giving two middle fingers to you. It, wow. Like, three little two little hands. Interesting. Yeah, expressionist, right? Impressionist. Impressionist. Yes. Impressionist. Yeah. Indeed. Impressionist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that idiot just like said that was looking at my thing half took my idea plagiarism Ooh. and then said it back at me it's just like it's just uh yeah get her done. you know what i mean it's yeah. like that fucking town i grew mm-hmm. up in get her done you know if you can't do you become a critic it's you true know? they couldn't fucking paint makes me sick man also like to mention what? how many uh things that you mentioned being involved with like monsanto and garfield and family circus yeah that of course did not exist for God, I'm going to say well, 80 years. Well, did you hear when I said I was ahead of my time? 80, you clearly were ahead of your time. You were angry at a corporation that didn't exist yeah. and doing three-panel comic strips, sit, sitting in for three-panel comic strips like Garfield and for better yeah. or worse, yeah. that had not existed yet. So yeah, ahead of your time. Ahead of my time. My mom was a fortune teller. That's how I knew all this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do yeah. remember reading something like that on the Wikipedia. Me Let's too. move over to uh, Casey Kasem just a moment. Casey Kasem. So your voice... <laughs> sort of personifies the music countdown show. It is such an ingrained part of the American culture. I read that what made your radio so special and what you would eventually bring to your television show was that you incorporated biographical tidbits about the artists and the songs that you played. Is that right? That's right, Jarrett. Okay, so would you give a little taste of how that worked exactly? Like, would this be... Well, it's almost like the host of a, a popular podcast just like this. Okay. We might get into a little bit of history about the host. Oh, can you give us a little history about Jared? <laughs> Did you Ooh, know okay. that Jared was born to blind parents? Jared. In the American <laughs> South. Jared, how could in you? In the late 1980s. Jared. Blind parents in what the do you South? Mean? They how never. This, how uh, is this my fault <laughs> that my parents were blind? I don't think it's anybody's fault, but that blind ambition turned him to radio. Wow. That's true. That's true. It Coming was my in at blind. Parents who gave birth to me in the late 80s. Thank you for that. He's a young buck. <laughs> that wow. is a, quite a compliment. Wow, you're 19 or 10? I don't know how mm-hmm. old you are. Late 80s. The late 80s? Yeah, that would make me in my he's, 30s. In his yeah. early 30s. In my early 30s. And we're going to wow. keep it there. In my dirty 30s. Wow. Ooh, baby. <laughs> and you were, your blind ambition led you to the blind art. Yeah, my both my blind parents gave birth to a seeing child. There was a lot of... I don't know, there's weird power discrepancy in my house because obviously I was a child, but I was the only person I could see anything. Right. And so there's a lot of things that my parents had me do. And they're also like, we're in the South, obviously. And so they Hit did country. not think kindly about mixed families, seeing and non-seeing families in the uh, South. It was illegal for a seeing person to marry a blind person until 1984. And it was wow. even illegal to have a seeing child, but it had, it come, it had come up so rarely that they had to throw the case out of court. Yes, sometimes wow. parents would pretend their children were legally blind and put them in large sunglasses just to get by. I spent wow. a lot of my childhood in sunglasses, that's true. And I can't believe Holy you shit. knew this about me. I've buried so much of this information because it's so embarrassing. Childhood trauma is exactly what Casey Kasem gets to the heart of when he introduces songs on the radio. And would you say that part of what you do is your detective? Like, would you actually 
you know, snoop around like Prince's life to find out interesting things for your show? I was snooping around Prince for 25 years. Oh, my God. I lived right behind Prince's estate, and I would go through his garbage every night. Oh, my God. Coming in at number four, it's Prince with Little Red Corvette. Mm, and then Was I- that in his trash, a Little Red Corvette? <laughs> there was a Little Red Corvette in his trash one day. Turns out it was a gift from his blind parents. Oh, he what? had blind parents, too. Prince was born Gary Johnson in the American South in 1984. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Wait, oh, that's the same. That's the almost the same year that I was born. <laughs> Believe it or not, a lot of people have similar stories who got into popular music in American 20th century pop. That's wow. incredible. And you know, now that I think about it, I did know a Gary Johnson who was very Prince-like. Mm. Wow, what mm. ever happened to that guy? I got to look that up. Just, I'm pretty. Am I I'm pretty sure that guy was Prince? I think that guy yeah. turned out to be. Prince. Wow. Prince. So let me ask you this. Uh, in your detecting, did you ever announce like some piece of trivia about a singer or about their life that nobody else in the world knew and then but also was supposed to be kept a secret, like a dark secret? For a long time the radio was on live. There was no delay and there was no podcasting. That's right. Sometimes this would get us into trouble. <laughs> Mm. Okay, so give us an example. I remember the day that I accidentally sent Eddie Murphy to jail for two weeks. Oh, my God. For solicitation, introducing Party All the Time. Wait, hold on a second. So you were introducing the song Party All the Time, and then you you revealed that he had solicited I sure oral did. sex from a prostitute? I said, you know this next uh, artist from Saturday Night Live, and two weeks ago he solicited a prostitute on Hollywood Boulevard. Coming in at number four, it's Party All the Time. <laughs> wow. A lot of these songs LAPD were right there. A lot of these songs are coming in at number four. A lot of songs <laughs> came right in at number four. Uh, I also read that sometimes you would tease the audience with like trivia before commercial break, and then after the commercial break, you would like reveal who it was. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, there were days where I would come in and say things like, uh, uh, ooh, uh, you'll never guess who coming in at number four <laughs> is fresh off of a plastic surgery job. Oh my God, that could be so many people. Could be anyone. It could be anyone, yeah. Could have been You'd Prince. have to deduce who wasn't already in the top 20 countdown. Oh, that's right. You say, all right, so we already know that person, that person, that, all right, so number 18, number 15, number 14 have done plastic surgery, but they've been said already. Exactly. So, oh, God, who's left? It could still be anyone, I thought. And cause... then when you came back from break, you would reveal... Eddie Murphy. It was coming Eddie in Murphy. at number four, fresh off of a stint in <laughs> LAPD. Uh, he went to jail. Went to jail for solicitation, came got back, got a little work done, and he's back at number four. So no one would recognize him so that they can bring him back. Yeah, mm, That's right. They Do wouldn't be able to bring cops. him back to jail because yeah. I, cause they couldn't recognize him. Kept exactly. the name, changed the face. Uh, Did he host is. SNL recently? He will. He shortly. will soon. <laughs> that's right. Thank you for uh, revealing that, Casey Kazo. Who is hosting Saturday Night Live <laughs> in the year 2019 after the break? Wow. Ooh, I can't wait to find out who it is. Wow. Uh, so let's go back over to, um, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Cezanne. If you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 19th century post-impressionist painter Paul Cezanne. Uh, bonjour. And 20th century host of American Top 40, Casey Kasem. I'm Casey Kasem. Uh, so going back to Paul Cezanne for just a moment. So you were born in 1839 in Aix-en-Provence, as we have already discussed, a place Hick you were Billy not Town. Yeah. found of, fond of. Trailer park. Yep. Uh, your father... Shat and holes in the ground, yep. You, I'm sorry, what? Shat and holes in the ground. Your, your father did that, or are you saying Yeah, my dad there? did that in general. What about? Everybody there did that? Everybody just my dad. They he was the, fucking King Hick. The what? doorless toilets, and they were shitting in the ground. Yeah. Mm. My dad was King Hick, King of the Hicks. Ooh, so Ooh. all the other... 
uh, slack-jawed yokels yeah. in Aix-en-Provence. Yeah, my dad was the slackiest, jawiest of the slack-jawed mm. hicks. Of- Am I pronouncing that correctly, by the way? No, Aix is A-I-X, so I'm just assuming that that's Aix. Say it again. Aix, A-I-X. That's exactly right. Aix-en-Provence? That's exactly right. All right. I'm glad if you want to be a little bit more polite, mm-hmm. uh, say the word again. Aix-en-Provence? Chade. Just Chade. add a little Chade. Coming in at number four, it's Chade. Wait, Aix-en-Provence. Yeah, it's like Japanese. You add a little bit of extra words and oh, it's suddenly more polite. Oh, I see, if you want to give respect. Yeah, I'm learning uh, Japanese. Okay, so your father, King Hick... Oh, by the way, you you, yeah. you said that there was no doors on any of the toilets, no doors in any of the bathrooms. Yeah. But were there actual toilets, or was it just a hole in the ground that there, there was no was, door There was. My dad was just such a king hick of the hicks mm. that every time he wanted to, he He's just like, started ba- digging a hole wherever he was. Yeah. What, am I going to walk all the way over to a bathroom? What, right. am I, the king of France? Come he, on. He once dug a hole in a pile of shit and then took a shit in that really? hole. It was humiliating. I got to say, that's that feels a little like performance art. You know, it almost feels like your father was making a statement. Do you think maybe he had some artist in him as well? I'm about to be really offended if you're going to say that my dad was a better artist than me. No, I would never say that he was I better. I was the guy who went over everyone's heads. My dad did not go over my head. Mm-mm. No, not a bit. My dad did not go over my head. Mm-mm. No, there's definitely no hidden meaning no. or secret subtlety to your dad digging through a pile of shit to, to then put some of his own shit in there. Yeah, he did make a comment about how... All humans are just piles of poop inside of other piles of poop. And, and didn't he also place like a little uh, title next to that? Like after he did it, like a little, a little white piece of uh, piece of paper he, that had like the name of the piece, and he did also his name. Right? And then all the friggin' hickbillies would come by and be like, "Ooh ah, ooh ah," which I assumed <laughs> meant they were just hickbillying each other because that's mm. all they did all day. Yeah, I mean, maybe he had some artistic talent, maybe not. I mean, obviously he was not. An influence on Picasso and Matisse and no, Manet, he was like not. you were. He was not. Yeah. I was. I was the man. You were the not man. my dad. You were the man. I was the Paul man. Cezanne. My dad used to do this thing where he would like spread his legs as far as he could, mm-hmm. and he would just like start painting himself, and he would then start spreading his arms as far as he could, and he was saying that like he was spreading himself so long and thin that he couldn't do anything anymore. And then he would put a little piece of paper with his name on it in front of himself mm-hmm. with the painting. And then people would come around and being ooing and eyeing again, which I assumed was just their incest brains not helping them at all. You <laughs> and know? This was under the guise of what other activity? Yeah. What was there something else that he could what? have been doing? He was just doing art? this and that was that? Yeah, that was kind of just that. You were like, there what's was... up, Dad? He was like spreading myself too thin? Yeah, he was like, I'm spreading myself too thin. That's and then would just put these friggin' white cards with his name on it in front of it. Yeah. That, that, I mean, like I said, I, I don't think we'll ever know if he was doing art or not. But, you know, I think this is interesting uh, fodder for the conversation about I don't the li- history. I don't like it. I don't like it. We're implying that my dad was smarter than me, which is not true. Not true. We know that. Not, not, not true. We know that. Not, not, not true. So your dad was, though, in mm. addition to may or maybe not doing art, he was also the founder of a banking firm, uh, which was very uh, successful. Yes. Oh, God, I don't know. I just like these white-collar criminals, you know what I mean? Oh, is that your dad? He yeah. Oh, God, yeah. really just... Working on a fucking bank, stealing money. outside of the lines. Yeah. A little embezzling here, a little something for daddy here. He did that. I remember one time he, like, was doing really... Everyone was really happy. All the dumbass hicks in my town were happy because he was just saving everyone money and, mm-hmm. like, figuring out the bank stuff. <laughs> and then one day, 
there was this really weird moment where he was like, hey, I need you to come into the office today, the bank office, to mm-hmm. help me with something. Okay. And he was like, bring a crowd. So I gathered all the hickbillies together. How'd you, how'd you gather them? I said, hey, I think, um, I think there's some uh, shrimp and a pig in a blanket over here. Well, that's pretty good. I know. <laughs> that would get me. That's a I hell know. of a spread. It is a good spread. They, the hickbillies immediately came a running. And so I, my dad told me to open the safe. And I opened the safe and all the money was gone. It was just empty with a little human heart in the center of the... Like an actual human heart? Yeah. Can you believe it? Wow. And then there was a little white card underneath the vault that just said his name on it. Okay. And everyone was like, oh, in the uh, thickest and biggest of safes is is love. And everyone was going, oh, like, you're describing uh, Hearts Love coming in at number eight and <laughs> performance, uh, the top performance art of the 18th century. No, my dad was a dumbass hick. That didn't mean that was stupid. Wait, did you put the heart? In did it. he ever give the money back? What did you, you ever put the money back in the safe? I, I don't know. I, uh, I believe the money, the town's financials actually skyrocketed after that. So I'm assuming the money went somewhere smart, like investing. Yeah, interesting. God, your dad Wall sounds Street. Like a real that sounds dummy. like the. To me, that sounds like something that people would come from far and wide to pay to see. <laughs> no, it was du- Do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm the he's smart an idiot. One. He's a dummy. Your dad was a king hick of dummy land. Yeah, exactly. And he would do a lot of weird things that the other hicks would like. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there's any any uh, nuance or hidden meaning to it. Right. Of course, the other hicks liked it. They yeah. all come from the same blood. and They all like and- looking at their own wieners. Yeah. Yeah. So- you know, it's like only two families of like 2,000 people. Yeah, exactly. What a small, says- dumb town. And your dad was the dumbest of all. I'm with you. I agree. And he Thank may have you. been doing art. We'll never know. Uh, let's go back over to uh, Casey Case in just a moment. Casey Case. So you were born in Detroit in 1932. Detroit, Michigan, 1932. I read that there was a radio show called Make Believe Ballroom, which is what inspired you to follow a career in radio. Is that right? That's exactly right. Can you tell us a little bit about that show? Like, what was the premise? What did an episode sound like? That sort of thing. Well, we all love the great songs we would listen to at ballroom dancing uh, uh, events. Okay. However, uh, on the radio, you couldn't see any of the ballroom dancing. Ooh, I see. That's where I came in. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's where you came in? Yep. To well, s- all we would do is instead of playing the popular music of the day, I would describe ballroom dances for one hour every week on the radio. Wait, so uh, but I read that this was a show that you listened to that inspired you. You're saying that you were on the show? I listened to it a few times, and I thought to myself, I could do that. They're not even describing the dances. Wait, so then what, did you go down to the studio and were like, I have an idea for how I can make the show better? Damn right. I walked right into that studio. I kicked down the door. I punched that guy in the face, and I said, hey. Two people are walking slowly to the center of the dance floor. The man has his arm around the lady. He's spinning her thusly. They are enjoying their time. Wow. This went on for hours and hours. Okay, so this you is would just, really captivating, though, I will describe say. Describe people dancing in a ballroom, no music. And a one, two, three, sometimes I'd say. <laughs> just I gotta to know give the it tempo. Some tempo. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's really encouraging people to sort of like. I don't know, really look inside themselves and try to imagine what uh, a fancy ball is like. Remember, this was early, early on. People weren't even driving around. You couldn't even get to a ballroom. Oh, that's right. This Mm. was like 1930s. The radio was all you could do. That's right. You were stuck in your house listening to the radio while snow fell and wars happened. We are also, (laughs) I believe we're in the middle of the Depression, right? 1930s? I know I was depressed. America's greatest war. Uh, It's depression depression with itself. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, if nobody has money to go to a fancy ball. The only thing they can do is just imagine what it's like to be exactly. in a fancy ball. And there was me saying, ooh, imagine a gentleman in a tuxedo. He's got a black stripe down the side of his leg. A woman looks on. She is 19 <laughs> years old, and he is 44. Oh Everything is just fine with that because that's the era. Because it, it's the 1930s, and nobody cares. Damn right. I'm wow. Casey Kasem. So how did you eventually <laughs> move from... This one type of show, which is obviously more of like a, I don't know, call it a storytelling, more of like a visual landscape. Yeah, I would call it a visual landscape. Visual landscape. <laughs> they would uh, say, here's visual landscapes with Casey Kasem. To, uh, all ballroom dancing all the time. Oh, so you would call it visual landscapes. Oh, yeah, I coined the phrase visual oh, landscape. interesting. I didn't know that. I like it. Uh, well, you wouldn't. Growing up with the blind parents, <laughs> not a lot of visual landscaping to be uh, discussed. Oh, were your parents blind also? Uh, yeah, give or take. Oh, gotcha. give or take. Were you? Did you? Depending were, on the day. Did you grow up in the American <laughs> South? Also, grew up right in the American South and rose to prominence as Casey Kasem. That's right. Oh my God. So technically, you were born in Detroit in 1932, but your parents were also blind and accidentally moved you to the American South. You'd at some be point. surprised how many people have a similar story. Oh yeah. We all have kind of similar stories. You know don't what? We? People always focus on the things that are different about us. So. This guy's tall, this guy's short, this one's black, this one's white, this one's gay, this one's straight. Right, this Dude, guy's a better like artist. <laughs> this guy's father is a way better artist than he what is. What the so fuck? But what the thing is, but we don't focus on the things we have in common. Our hearts, our lungs, mm. and our shared story of being born to blind parents in the American South in the, in the late 1980s. In the late 1980s. Wow. Yeah, thank you, Casey Kasem, for reminding us what it means to be human. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. How did you eventually move from these sort of like auditory landscapes to to talk just talking about shows just talking about music you well, know talking about in, artists when i got into the countdown game mm. i decided uh that there was something going on in the radio that i didn't like and that was there wasn't enough competition people were listening to things and they thought oh this is all happening and everybody's fine everybody is just as valid as everybody else people and i were thought listening to these songs and being like you know what that last song was just as good as the song that is currently playing. Yep, it was all about... And I'll bet it's just going to be just as good as the next one. It was all happiness and community. And Yawn. Thought, we can foster a better spirit than that. It's and I, enough Countdown to, was born. Enough to make a man sick. Nice. Coming in at number four, mm. it's making a man sick. By... Jerry and the Reavers. By Jerry and the Reavers. Those guys <laughs> knew how to make men sick, they I will sure say. Did. They sure did. So you're like, I gotta put a stop. I gotta put a stop to, uh, to people not ranking their music. I started ranking everything. Ooh, everything. I was walking around town ranking things left and right. Henry Ford would come up with a car, and I would say, coming in at number four, <laughs> it's Henry Ford. Do you like ranking things at four just because it's not top three? The top three got so boring. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you were more about fourth place. I always well, thought this is exciting. we can get to four, then we're coasting for the rest of the show. You know, because four is like one better than the guy who just eked it into fifth place, mm. right? Always. Um, and that guy, has he's hungry, you know? Oh, he's like hungry. The person that's in fourth didn't think they were going to be in first or second, you know? Yeah. And they're just happy to be there. And it makes for a fun trivia question. It sure does. Nobody sees you up there with a bronze medal, and yet... There you were. Coming in at number four. <laughs> Coming in at number four. It's Hanson with Weird. Ooh. Wow. I love that song. That's a good song. Now, we Peaked are quickly coming to a break. I cannot wait to find out who the artist is after the break, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so I'd like to ask you about uh, you, Paul Cezanne. I'm going to ask you about some of your methods as an artist as we are go coming up to our break. So first, there was this quote from you mm. that says that you wanted to treat nature by the—you wanted to, quote— 
you, sorry, you, quote, wanted to treat nature by the cylinder, the sphere, the cone. And I'm wondering what you meant by that. Would you break that down for us, what it means that you wanted to treat nature by the cylinder, the sphere, the cone? So nature is shapes, right? Okay. So I only wanted to draw things that were either a cylinder, a cone, or a sphere. Hmm. Okay. So if it didn't have one of those shapes involved, I was really, really, really not interested, mm. nor could I draw it. Gotcha. So things like squares or triangles. I couldn't draw it. That was too hard. Pyramids, definitely not. Pyramids were out. It was too pointy. I needed it to be a round. Gotcha. Rounder. Uh, rhombus, I can't draw. Obviously, I don't know what that is, nor can I draw. Dodecahedron. Whoa. Octagon. Can't Whoa. draw any of these. I How? tried. The lines just get way too fucked up. So you could only do uh, any kind of painting. You could only paint something that had some sort of curve to it. Yes, exactly. I couldn't do like, like a straight. Like a real woman. Coming real in real women have four. curves. That's what that's a reference to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I honestly that's kind of my whole thing is the curves. If you yeah, know, yeah. I got you, buddy. I, I like my I like I I also can't draw flat. Can you straight? Just, can you walk us through how many cones and cylinders there are in a Garfield? Oh yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, of course. So, um, apologies. Sorry. Happens just drank to some the best coffee. of us. Yeah. Just to the best. All I right. thought if I pointed my face away from it, it wouldn't pick up. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Garfield is a bit of a, a sphere. You know what I mean? Mm. And I unfortunately was going to try to do something where I like collided the spheres together and the cylinder so that it like made more sense. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I had to just kind of make him a circle and call it a day. Gotcha. And I so put you, so your orange inside of it. Method there was just orange circle, arrow pointing to it. And I couldn't. And then the name Garfield. No one, I could not do anything more for it. Mm. My dad ended up drawing next to it like a Garfield that we see today. Mm, okay. Which was really, really, he just like drawed it right next to it on my painting, then mm. put it up and put a name on it and how, everyone like freaked out. How often would your dad sort of like, uh, I don't know, like fill in the details, add little things to your paintings here he and there? He fucking did it to every single one. Every single one? It drove me fucking insane. That's interesting. And, and then it would have my name on it, which I'm like, I didn't draw this anymore. You're fucking hillbilly incest ass did yeah and people seem to like it eventually you know eventually eventually they can sort of liking it fucking eventually man wow that guy pissed me off <laughs> unfortunately we gotta take a short break but we'll be right back with casey Kasem and paul Cezanne on famous that people stay with us Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts, rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends, all that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioForBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioForBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. 
I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 19th century French post-impressionist painter who influenced Manet, Matisse, and Pablo Picasso, Paul Cezanne. You're welcome. And 20th century American DJ and radio personality host of American Top 40, Casey Kasem. Coming in at number four. Casey mm-hmm. Kasem. So, uh, <laughs> let's go back... Uh, you eventually partnered, Casey Kasem, with another iconic television host, Dick Clark. I sure did. You uh, first attracted his attention while hosting dance hops on local television. Is that right? That's exactly right. Tell At that the- time, most television shows were just dance hops. Dance hops. What's oh. a dance hop exactly? A uh, dance hop is a lot like a, a ballroom dancing uh, event, except it was for... Wild and crazy teens of the day. Gotcha. So no oh, stuffy yeah. tuxedos. No way. We're talking letterman jackets and poodle skirts. Mm, poodle guys skirts. flipping their girls around and crazy flips. They were flipping crazy left and right. They're doing the uh, they're doing the Watusi. They're doing the twist. The mashed potato. Mm, mm. The running. No, they didn't do the running. They did man. the running man. Not yet. They were dabbing. They were dabbing. They, they, they flipped their water bottles. The Dougie. They're doing their TikToks. Coming yeah. in at number four. It's Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy. With yep. Soldier Boy. Uh, so uh, so I met uh, Tricky Dick Clark. I want you to tell us about that first interaction. So you're hosting. How, uh, what would you do when you were hosting a dance-off? Would you sort of like announce the songs and then the camera would pan Basically, to the dancers or what? Essentially, I would show up uh, to a high school gymnasium unannounced. Uh, <laughs> and I would uh, go around until the school dance broke out. I had one cameraman and one microphone. And, well, the rest is history. And wow. how, how often would you have to wait around to wait? for a dance to happen. Longest time was four and a half weeks. Four weeks, just <laughs> waiting. Casey Kasem just hanging out at a high school waiting for a dance to start. Yep, some people were uncomfortable. One time I refed a water polo game. Oh, really? You oh, refed yeah. a water polo? I refed. Referee. Refed. I yeah. thought you had a raft in a water polo game for no, a second. No, illegal. In fact, that <laughs> would I would call a whistle on anyone who would bring a raft to a water polo Honestly, game. Honestly, <laughs> if, if you had asked me, like, is the ref on a raft in a water polo game, it would have been like, yeah, of course, he's got to be in on the action. He's got to be able to see mm. all the stuff that's going and on. And this was a classic argument between me and Dick Clark. <laughs> oh, interesting. Tricky Dick. So Tricky let me Dick. ask you as this. As he is known, Tricky yeah. Dick Clark. Tell me about that first interaction with Dick Clark. He's watching you host a dance hop. We were both show... Uh, so uh, one day... Uh, a, a dance wound up breaking out at a local high school right there in Detroit, Michigan. As they oh, yeah. were wont to do. A homecoming dance. And I was there uh, with my cameraman and my microphone telling everybody to keep their feet on the ground and keep reaching <laughs> for the stars. When next thing you know, I look over and immediately to my left, who's there saying a very similar catchphrase, but Dick Clark himself. Tricky oh Dick Clark. What were, was his catchphrase? Uh, you know what? I never, uh, never took it in. You never took. You just knew that it was similar to yours. I knew it was similar, but I, you know, for me, I thought yours famously was "keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars." That's exactly right. So his was probably something like uh, "put your feet to the stars and keep your hands on the reach for the ground." I don't think so. I mean, I mean, it's possible. Reach, uh, reach for the. uh, Why don't you? I'm Dick Clark. uh, keep yourself planted on the earth mm. and go towards the moon. He would say something like, stand up straight and shut the fuck up. That's or like, I'm hands doing. in the air, don't move. Yeah. Yeah. Put your hands in the air and care. That's okay. actually where my catchphrase kind of came from. What? Really? Where? Well, the first time, I, have you ever heard the story of the first time I was ever on the radio? I did not hear the story about the first time you were ever on the radio. Well, I broke into uh, the the studio, like I said, kicked the kicked the door down and punched the guy in the face well, and took I, over. Wait, oh, yeah. was this for um, that show when you were a kid? Um 
uh, make believe. Uh, this was for make believe ballroom hour. <laughs> make believe ballroom. That's make believe right. ballroom hour. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and uh, eventually, uh, after a few minutes of uh, my amazing broadcast, uh, uh, the engineer came to and uh, pulled out a pistol. He said, oh reach God. for the sky. And now every time I'm getting close to the end of a broadcast, I go back into PTSD mode. And I just remember <laughs> to keep my feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Right. Wow. I don't know how long he held me at gunpoint. I was uh, not uh, returned to my home for days. Oh, my God. That is, uh, that is an incredible story. And I mean, it, it really makes sense considering the content of your catchphrase it doesn't really that that itself doesn't make sense but if you if you frame it in the context of a guy pulling a gun on you yeah i never really understood why other people would be inspired by it yeah. unless they were also at gunpoint and needed to remember there's probably more people like gunpoint in this country than you're thinking i mean yeah. it is america keep that in mind damn right too damn right. many guns in this country, and I'm it's not true. afraid to say it. No. <gasps> so how could you? So Dick Clark <laughs> is next to you, and he says his catchphrase. So he's there to film the same dance hop as you, right? We're both at Homecoming Dance, Detroit, Michigan, 1957. All right, and then so does he approach you? Do you approach him? Like how, how does this how does this uh, collaboration begin? Well, I was uh, counting down songs, and we got to number four. When all of a sudden, I overhear Dick Clark talking about coming in at number three. How was I coming in at number four and he was coming in at number three? Oh my what, God. does he think he's better than me? I socked him you. right in the face. Yeah. You slapped him? Slapped him. Oh my God. A gentleman's duel broke out right there at the homecoming dance. Oh, You're wow. usually more of a punching guy. Usually, but well, I kick down a door, I punch a guy in the face, and sometimes yeah. I give a little slap. Okay. I'm imagining that there was a little respect there because you were in the same industry. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And remember, we're both from the American South. That's so right. a duel is in the cards. I believe he had blind <laughs> parents as well, right? Dick Clark was born to blind parents in the late 1980s in the American South. Yes. He would go on to be one of the most respected broadcasters of the 20th century. And uh, Here he is and, at uh, number and, four. And would appear in a duel with me coming <laughs> in at number four. So then what happened at the duel then? I shot him. You shot Dick Clark? I shot him right in the brain. Oh, my God. But then how did he manage to I'm live for decades after that and, and host <laughs> shows that's a, on television? That's a great mystery, but I'll tell you this. 30 years later, caught up with him. <laughs> that boy. I got yeah. him. You know what? Maybe I'll just have him on the show and he can tell the story of his miraculous recovery. If he can do it. I will that say, would be coming in at number four. <laughs> bullets sometimes have a very slow travel time. That's right. Have you ever seen the first X-Men movie? Uh, with uh, Ian McKellen? Yeah. Okay. When, uh, so, uh, <laughs> Good uh, Are you talking about X-Men First Class? <laughs> no, the very first X-Men okay, movie. Okay, X-Men. Where the guy gets shot in the head, but um, our, our big bad guy, uh, Magneto, mm -hmm. is stopping the bullet, but is putting it very slowly through his head. Yeah. Whoa. A lot of guns worked like that back in the day, oh, I yeah. remember. Oh, yeah, we had one of those X-Men guns. That was, why, that was why wars took so long, is because sometimes guns would just shoot really slow like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember reading they, about that. They travel really fast until they hit skin, then they start going real slow. Oh, yeah. It could take like, anywhere from. There's that but, Bond movie mm -hmm. where the guy has a bullet in his brain that's slowly moving towards the center, and mm. all it's done is turned off his pain pain receptors and so he can't feel any pain right you guys remember that one i do remember that one i think uh it was pierce brosnan and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> was it the one with halle berry no denise richards 
Nope. I want to say Die Another Day, but I could be wrong. Coming in at number four, it's Madonna with Die Another Day. Is it Casino Royale? It was not Casino Royale. (laughs) Anyways, so we know that bullets go very slow. That's probably how Dick Clark survived you shooting him in the brain. Back then, there was the expression, if you ever get shot, back up. (laughs) But there's also, also, uh, you know, number one with a bullet. You yep. know, when, when a song a is doing really well, if mm. it's rocketing to the top of the chart, you would say, number one with a bullet. Yes. And that- notice that that expression only became relevant years <laughs> and years later. After you shot. <laughs> After Dick I Clark shot Dick Clark in the brain. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Casey Kasem. Let's go back over to uh, Paul yeah. Cezanne for just Says a moment. me. Uh, now, because you had so many innovations in tone and perspective in your paintings, you're welcome. There are some historians that have suggested that you had, and this is as I'm reading on the Wikipedia. Yeah, some historians have suggested that you had sick retinas. Sick, sick retinas. retinas. Yes. Mothers of fuckers. Oh, so you this this upsets you that yeah. people think you had sick retinas. My eyes are the healthiest eyes. Healthiest specifically eyes. Specifically the retinas, yeah. Mm, you had great, healthy retinas. Yeah. You talk so, about your cones. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's right. Cones. Yeah. Cones? Yeah, cones. those are in my eyes. The yeah. shapes, that yeah. one of the shapes that you're a really big fan of. Yeah, it's cones. one of the few shapes I can see and draw, you know? Mm. I God. One of the few shapes you can see, which yeah. means that you have impeccable eyesight. That's yeah. true. Excellent. <laughs> that's true. I have very good eyesight. Everybody knows that if you can only see certain shapes, then yeah. you have great eyesight. I an artist never has bad eyes. An artist Ooh. with bad eyes is not an artist. Let me tell you my routine. Okay. I wake up in the morning. I can't open my eyes just yet because they're filled with honey. Okay. Okay. Great. And so then I go to what any body of water I can just to start scraping the sticky honey out of my eyes. Okay. okay? I don't know where it comes from. I just wake up every morning and my eyes are covered in honey. Even, every morning. Even if you're by yourself. Especially when I'm by myself. <laughs> okay. And so then I find any body, body of water to start cleaning it out. Some, it's most of the time the toilet because that's the only thing that's like the body of water, you know? Mm-hmm, of course. Because I can't, you know, turn the sink on. Mm, it's very unhygienic what you're doing, by the way. You should never mm-hmm. put toilet water in your eyes. But I, where else am I going to get water? Uh, I mean... When I'm you blind. Know, hindsight is twenty twenty. There's a lot of vision references in this episode. I know. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But I'm just then saying. Don't bring up my eyes. Going <laughs> forward, you should not wash your eyes with toilet water. Fine. Okay. Fine. Fine. But also, do what you want. Thank you. I'm not your dad. Yeah, you're not my fucking dad. My dad's a piece of shit. You and my, and that? maybe a great artist, but we'll never know. No, he's not a great artist. He's okay. a white collar criminal. So but. you're saying you would wash the honey out of your eyes with toilet bowl water? Yeah, just because okay. it was the closest water I could of find. Of course. That wasn't your preference. No, that was not my preference. Gotcha. I probably would have preferred like a cologne water or something, mm. you know, just like a thing of cologne. Oh, there was that one time that you needed to wake up and wash the honey out of your eyes and you were next to a fresh spring. Yes. And yet you chose to walk to a toilet to wash your eyes out anyways. Yeah, I was following the, sm- the scent that I preferred. Oh, yeah, that makes and sense. And I ended up putting turds in my eyes accidentally. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. I thought I was following the the, the oasis, the mm. fresh spring. But yeah. I so I guess, followed. We're, I guess what? what we're saying here is that you had great eyes. I have really good eyes. You have great, perfect eyes. After I scrape that honey out of my eyes, Mm -hmm. I then, I open them. I still can't see anything. Okay. I'm still just like kind of blind when I open up my eyes after I scraping all that stuff. So I, it feels like it's a little too watery. So I start to put salt in my eyes to try to like soak up 
Makes sense. Smart dehydrating. Dehydrate yeah. the eyes so that they can see a little clearer. Okay. Yeah. And then you'd eventually get your vision and start painting. Yeah. If I get my vision back that day, I'll start painting. Some days, no, though. Some days it just doesn't come <laughs> back, and I just kind of end up jailing all day. You, you know, know what I, mean? I got to say, this whole thing reminds me a little bit of uh, of uh, of uh, Sight, Sweet and Salty, the performance art piece by uh, Charles Cezanne. Ooh, your dad, Charles Cezanne. What the oh, fuck? The yeah. one and only. Yeah. Sure. So you say you're saying the performance art piece by his that dad. classic performance art piece where one would blind their own son with sugar and salt. What the wait? In the dead of night. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, that's a great piece. That's a hell of a piece. I didn't know that stop. that was your dad that did that. That's Mother, one of my favorite pieces stop. of, of uh, performance arts. I remember when it was adapted into a song for the radio by Tiffany in 1988. Ooh, <laughs> Tiffany. I love Tiffany. What an honor to have Tiffany do that song. Did <laughs> you... Let me ask. Oh my God! Oh, Steve Eve coming out of his ears. Coming out of his ears. Paul Cezanne. Let me ask you this. What the fuck so, do you want? As a young painter, I read yeah. on Wikipedia that you concentrated on a few different artistic subjects, like yes. still lifes and mm. portraits. Yes. Uh, but you had to use your imagination for nude models because there weren't enough available at the time. Is that right? No one was willing to get naked in front of me. In front of you specifically. In front of me specifically. Because Wikipedia makes it sound like. There was like a drought of nude models in the time period and place that you were at. But you're saying that they just wouldn't do it for you? They, so I had a bit of an issue. I'm willing to admit maybe some fault here Mm -hmm. where people would first come, they would get naked in front of me. Then after the fact, they would promise to never be nude ever again in any situation. In their whole lives. In their whole lives. Interesting. So I was in accidentally... People would get nude. I would paint them. They would see the painting, and then they would say, I never want to be nude for the entirety of my life ever again. And I would say, that is your choice. That is a weird choice, but that is your choice. I'm glad you respect their choice, at least. Yeah. And so then they would start just, like, every time they wanted to get naked, they just put, like, a black bar in front of themselves. Okay. And so then this hickbilly town started to just get covered with people where you could kind of tell through their pants that they had a black cardboard in front of their privates at all times. So they were sticking black cardboard in front of their privates and then putting their pants on. Yes. In case their pants came off at any point, they would still have their yes. genitals covered so they wouldn't be naked. Exactly. And okay. sometimes they would also put the underwear over. It was it was just like a hick, dumbass, hillbilly town. I don't know why everyone was so... That sounds really dumb and definitely not at all like a brilliant performance art piece that like an entire town was putting on together. Yeah. That sound, that's what that sounds like. It sounds like a dumb thing to do. Yeah, and not, not like somebody galvanized an entire town to pull off the art piece of a century. Yeah, definitely I not that. Do you remember one day everyone came together and then threw their black um, block uh, cardboard, cardboard squares mm-hmm. into the water? And then my dad laid glue everywhere at the at the bottom of the river mm-hmm. so that it then created an image of nudity. A mosaic. A mosaic. Of Interesting. Sort of it was really fucked up because I was like, this must be luck. How did he manage to get everyone to wear these fucking things, throw it in the river, then the river washes up, all the black bars make a naked people mm-hmm. in the image yeah. from a helicopter view, mm-hmm. and then he got such a damn good shot of it. Through a helicopter. <laughs> I was so pissed off. It was just... It what was, a dumb thing to do, your dad. I know. What an idiot. What a fucking hick. I know. It was It was an accident. It, it might have been, been some great dumb. art, but it was probably just dumb. And then yeah. the little white uh, piece of paper with his name on it of flew course, in Of course, of course. He probably just put those against everything. Uh, you know? Great. In the back of the helicopter. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> if you're agreed. just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 20th century host of American Top 40, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. And 19th century post-impressionist painter, Paul Cezanne. What's up? A lot of peas in there, I'm just realizing. Uh, let's go what back over to uh, Casey Kasem in just a moment. So you eventually start hosting the weekly radio program, American Top 40, and in addition to the biographical information that we already talked about, you would include long-distance dedications on the show. Long-distance dedications. Where listeners would dedicate songs to loved ones who were far away. Is that right? That's exactly right. Can you give us a little hmm. taste of what that would sound like? Can you well, give us an example? Sure. Uh, it would be the kind of thing where we would be gearing up to introduce the next song, but, uh, you know, here coming in at number four, we would have the Goo Goo Dolls with name. And uh, we would say, hey, if you're Jessica and you go to Clinton High... This is coming to you from your boy Brad, who is sitting next to you on his bed right now. Hold on a second. That's not a long-distance dedication <laughs> if they're next to each other. Well, they didn't start long. What do you mean they didn't start long? They started as immediate dedications. We were oh, looking for people. Oh, I see. And then they got longer and longer the more the television show went on and uh, got more and more popular. By the end, it was like, hey, if you're, uh, you know, uh, 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 if you're Bill Clinton and you're <laughs> sitting in the White House, you might be getting a dedication from... Princess Diana, all the way in the UK. Wow, that's pretty far away. Were they See? in love? They were in love. Oh, wow. interesting. A lot of people that. don't know it, but if you kind of, if you even think about it for two seconds, it almost makes sense. It does make wow. a lot of sense that he would then have her killed because he wouldn't want to ruin his uh, thing with Hillary. His thing with Hillary. Yeah, yeah. it was one of the top <laughs> murders that the Clintons perpetrated. <laughs> That it's is, only one of the top 20, ooh, though, right? Yeah, can we Coming do, in at number can we do 20. Casey Kasem's top 10, uh, top five murders that the Clintons have done? Top five murders. <laughs> well, I think we Coming all know who's number, number five. one. But coming in at number five was mm -hmm. Lady Di. Lady Di. <laughs> it's That's all in the name. Is. All right. Coming in at number four. Uh, number four, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, late in life, Bob Dole. Ooh. They Bob got him. Bob Dole. They put a bullet in his brain in 1992. Wasn't wow. enough to just uh, win the election? Nope, they had to nope, rub they, salt in the wood. They wings. really rubbed it <laughs> on it. Ooh. All right. Number three. Number three, uh, River Phoenix. <laughs> they God. got him. No. A why? Lot people, a lot of people don't know. I bet it's because Chelsea Clinton had like a poster of him up and they they were like, we don't want this guy corrupting our daughter. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, Chelsea Clinton was like eight years old. So yeah, true. that was a corruptible young woman. Corruptible. Sure. Anybody, Could go either way. Anybody's corruptible at that young age. Especially with Bill Clinton as your father. And that yeah. River Phoenix guy, like he he was too hot. He was dangerously sexy. Way Clinton too did the hot. right thing there. Right? Yeah. Was Coming that number two or was that number three? That, that was, was number three. three. Was three? All right. We got Coming two in more. at number two. All right. Vince Foster. Ooh. They did it. We all know it. Obviously. And coming in at number one, the top murder perpetrated by the Clinton family. Say it with me. The little Jeffrey princess Epstein herself. JonBenet Ramsey. JonBenet Ramsey. JonBenet Ramsey wow. is buried right under the Oval Office. I really thought you were going to say Jeffrey Epstein. I know. And yet, and no, yet, Epstein, no, Epstein got away. Yeah. That or... Uh, <laughs> He's alive. That we is, all agree, right? I think we can all alive. agree. It's not possible that he's alive because I had him on the show. I've had him on Famous uh, Dead People. So he was definitely dead at for some point. Well, some thank God for that. I was going to say Kurt Cobain was the next one. <laughs> Talk about number four, four mm -hmm. years old. Everybody else that we're mentioning may have been killed by the Clintons, but it just didn't make it to the top five. Oh, These sure. The top five. These, These are the, are the top, top five, five Clinton murders. Uh, we didn't even include the whole challenger. <laughs> How many people were on that challenger? Eight. It's like eight people that the Clintons murdered wow. when they blew up that uh, when they blew up the challenger. That God is fascinating. Damn right. Bodies are getting high, Clintons. Now I wanted to uh, ask you, Casey Kasem, about uh, you did not just announce the top forty hits. Uh, at one point, you had a hit single. 
that was called oh. Letter from Elena. Letter from Elena. And it Elena. was a spoken word song that told the story of a girl who met George Harrison after a Beatles concert. Is that right? That's exactly right. Would you, I don't, you don't have to do the whole song for us, but would you just like summarize what the story of the song was? Like this sure. little girl meets George Harrison and then it like It came out of one of my long distance dedications. Ooh, okay. Hmm. Uh, a young woman attended a Beatles concert. Uh, uh, she was in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Show. She was at the first American performance of the Beatles. Oh my God. That's right. And for the rest of her life, she became obsessed, terribly, terribly, dangerously obsessed with one George Harrison. Wow. The mm. letter went a little something like this. Dear George, my name's Lydia. You might have remembered me from the audience of the Ed Sullivan Show in America. I'm going to murder my parents. I'm going to murder my parents and everybody else's parents I know until you call me on the phone. Hmm. Uh, it went on like this, and uh, throughout the course of the letter, she actually does, uh, in fact, murder one of her parents. Oh, wow. Damn. Which parent? We'll find out after, after the, the break. Wow. Oh, God. We don't have any breaks left. We're never going to be able to find out. It was one of the most know. dissatisfying endings in popular music. Wait, so you would put the teaser on in the song and then just never get to it? Or did you play a commercial? Because that's good money. Ooh, yeah. If you put a commercial in your song. If you put a commercial song, that was the in idea. the middle of your song. How many how many songs would be so much better if we just threw in a little commercial like, Hey, uh, you bet Pepsi. Hey, yeah. Not bad. Guys, Big Boy, Outcast, Andre 3000. Mm-hmm. Those are the big people. Think about how much more money you could have made if you just, hey, uh, honestly, Doritos they... Locos Tacos. Hey, uh, yeah. Sometimes we would sneak sponsorship into the long distance dedication. Oh, really? Yeah, it would be things like, Dear George Harrison, my name's Lydia, and I was in the audience of the Ed Sullivan <laughs> performance in America. Did you know that at Wendy's you can get a spicy chicken sandwich for $1? It's true. Anyway, I'm going to murder my parish. <laughs> I'm Casey Kings. This sounds a lot like that song "Stand" by Eminem. You know, I'm wondering if he heard that, if he heard your song, and it and it influenced him. You know what I'm talking about? Well, my tea mm. has gone cold. And I don't I'm wondering. Is that, that why, isn't, isn't that the? I think that's the. I think that's the chorus of "Stand." I'm pretty sure Dido. By my window, and I can't see it all. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's how it starts. Tea has gone cold. I'm sure that's in there. Her tea's gone cold, and she's wondering why she got out of bed at all. She's murdered her parents, and she's in love with George Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Casey Kasem. Coming in at number four. (laughs) Now we are quickly running out of time here, so only time for a couple more questions. Um, uh, Cezanne. I wanted to ask you yes. about the relationship that you had with your wife, because I was really curious about this. It's only hinted at in the Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. You guys meet, and mm-hmm. you have a child when you're 33 years old. Yes, we did. You don't get married until you're 47 years old. I got cold feet. So 14 years later, <laughs> and you still, you, you had cold feet for 14 years? Yeah. Wow. You know, it's 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 like a you know how love is how these you days. Settle, you know, you got to settle down with somebody. Like, I know that you're the mother of my child, but... Are you really the only woman to be with for the rest of my life? It was like that. I was like seeing five other people at the time. Oh, okay. Like, and we didn't really talk exclusive yet, mm. you know? And you as long as you don't kid, say it. But you're just like, you know, we're dating, I guess. Yeah, it's like, we're dating. I'm having a good time. You know, I was I was making sure everyone was at an arm's like distance. Arm's length. You know yeah. what I mean? Like your dad's art piece. What the you, fuck? You know, where he put his arms out, like, as far as he could be stretched. Now you know? that I mention it. At the other ends of the stretch arms was me and my mom. Interesting. At all times. At all times. (laughs) During the wow. At all times. Yeah. 
And he was also painting, too. Now, the Wikipedia mentions that you constantly needed to fix the relationship between your wife and son, but it doesn't say what you did. Oh, I'm yeah. guessing it was probably all these other relationships that you had, right? Yeah, those were messy just because I was such a fuckboy, you mm. know? And I just really prefer to, like, not see one person. Yeah, of course. So I had to constantly mend that relationship with, like, she wouldn't let me paint her nude. Just because she kind of saw what it, the the effect was happening on everyone. Every time you would paint someone nude, they would vow to never be nude again. And your wife yeah. didn't want to go through that. Exactly. Yeah. She was like, I like being naked, so you can't see me naked. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, fine. And <laughs> that kind of sucked. And then my kid was like, I remember my one day my kid used the diaper. And I was like, well, we got to clean you up. And he was like, no, don't. And I was like, are you sure? You're a little baby. Don't you want me to, like, change you, get that shit out of you? And he's like, no, it's fine. I'll just wait till mom gets home to get changed. Hmm. So the baby wouldn't let me see him naked either. Interesting. It was bad. Yeah, I mean, I can but imagine I a lot of tension rising between you and your family if yeah. they they put up these these ridiculous boundaries. You it was know? sucked. It was such bad boundaries. Mm. And I would try to fix it, and I would fix it. And then suddenly a new painting would show up in our house with my dad's name on it. And mm. suddenly everyone was happy again. Do you think yeah. my my dad? Do you did think a, your dad was an artistic genius? Not an artistic genius, but just did art. Just do you think? Do do we think he did art? Yeah. No. No, my no. dad didn't your do father, art. No way. Definitely not. It's possible, but I really don't think so. I don't think so either. A lot of things you're describing, like I mean, if you were being extremely generous, sure, which you I am. could interpret it as art. But I'm being like, if if you want to be scientific about it, like no, definitely not. Right. I mean, would it even be art to take uh, every uh, flower bed in the entire uh, Aix-en-Provence and write the word art out in a field and light it on fire? I mean, would yeah. that even be art? Yeah. That's what he did. I he did don't that, remember right? that. Yeah, he did, he did he, do yeah that. we know he did that. Sure. And he got, he was worshipped as King Hillbilly, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, right. God, he let the set himself on fire. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. That's, That's how he died. Yeah. He let himself on fire as yeah. like a... I really we saw his spirit so. going to the earth, which is crazy. Ooh, that is interesting. Very Star wars that's not art. No, if not you, if your magic. real spirit goes into the earth, it's not art; it's magic. That's magic. Yeah. Now I think your and father might magic. have been one of the top magicians. Yeah, he might have been a great century. magician, but we, he definitely wasn't an artist. Right. And that. magicians aren't artists. Yes, I can't say that enough. On, <laughs> yeah. How many episodes have I said that on? Every single one. I, I'm. Not, you know what? Don't at me either. I'm tired of getting your letters <laughs> and your tweets about magic being art. <laughs> Shove it up your ding holes. Yeah, you have ding holes. <laughs> Let's go back over to Casey Kasem. Quickly running out of time. So you had an extensive voiceover career, obviously. Such an interesting and, sure and, and beautiful voice. Uh, you voiced a number of beloved cartoon characters, such as Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. That's right. And also a few characters from the Transformers series. A few. Would you do a few lines from the Transformers for us as whatever robot you were playing? I forget what robot you were. Well, believe it or not. Uh, I can do it, but it's not going to sound like what you think. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Later in my career, when it turned out that uh, there were a number of Dicks Clark and other, uh, you know, Ryan's Seacrest, etc., mm-hmm. uh, entering the landscape, uh, who were going to be taking, uh, you know, uh, uh, jobs away from me, I realized I was going to need to move into a new line of work. So I developed a machine <laughs> that would allow me to take my signature Casey Kasem uh, tone of voice and uh, change it up to do, uh, you know, all sorts of animated characters. Oh, okay. So I would say things like, I'm Optimus Prime. Coming in at number four, it's a robot army. <laughs> Run it through a machine and there we go. And then I would uh, say things like, hey, Scoob, let's get some Scooby <laughs> snacks. <laughs> 
and then the machine <laughs> would turn it into what we know to be that high pitch of shaggy voice you yeah. know from uh, the cartoons. Oh, like that. Yeah, it's something like that. But for me, it was all, "Hey, Velma, let's get in the van." We have less than a minute. <laughs> we have less than a minute. But I read that you would leave these cartoons if they didn't live up to your liberal progressive politics is that oh, right? what the hell you know me i'm the most liberal guy you can you've ever met in your life so is that why you left transformers like, damn right was there something on transformers that you thought didn't live up to your liberal uh politics one day i went in there and uh, there was a line where i was supposed to say hey bumblebee it's adam and eve not adam and bumblebee <laughs> and i said that's absurd so, <laughs> Well not, not doing it, not having Bravo. It. It's so rare that I get a good progressive Punch the engineer the right in the face. I thought you were going to say something about uh, trickle-down economics or something, but uh, that's way better. That mm. is way, way more cutting-edge, liberal, progressive politics. Yes, we're going to be good to the LGBTQ community. Well, well yeah, done, Casey Kasem. You are a hero. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have <laughs> for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I would like to thank my guests, Paul Cezanne and Casey Kasem, for joining me in the studio today. Last question. Do either of you have... Any comedy shows or comedians or Twitter accounts that you're really big fans of that you want to tell people about? To, uh, anything you want to tell people about, Paul Cezanne? Uh Yeah, there's a show on the YouTube that you can look up called Pat May Plays Video Games and Does Improv. If you go into your YouTube search engine and just type in Video Games Improv, all one word, you should see our channel pop up. And it's all pink and stuff. Uh, it's a really fun channel. We have weekly episodes every week. Yeah, check that, that out. <laughs> and uh, Casey Kasem, anything you want to tell people about? You can follow at Evan Alt on Twitter and uh, check out Live Dub Sitcoms returning to Brooklyn, New York. All right. I am, of course, your host, Jared Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. Uh, by the time you are hearing this, we have already had our very first stand-up 2020 comedy show slash voter registration drive. The next one will be Friday, December 6th at 7 p.m. at the Pitt Theater on 24th Street in New York, so come check that out. Uh, information will be on the link for the podcast. If you listen to this on the radio, find the podcast. All the old episodes are there, and they are hilarious. Uh, check out my YouTube channel and Facebook fan page. New videos every Tuesday. If you have any questions you want to email to your favorite dead person, please hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. What's interesting is that as I've been learning Japanese, they do something similar. Like, they call China Chuboku. Whoa. The Japanese. That's very offensive. Really? No, I'm just sure. I don't know. <laughs> you would know. It sounds offensive. Duolingo would then just slip that in with no, Duolingo. like... <laughs> How many times has Duolingo had you say the N-word and been like, this is Whoops. Japanese yeah. for house?